Hey, what's up, beautiful souls? Welcome to this Deeper Truth Healing Hour with me, Reverend LC. Today we have an amazing guest. I'm so super excited to, to share space and energy with this human being. Mr. Jason Shears, I want to say that right. <laughs> Mr. Jason Shears is the founder of the Infinite Recovery Project. He's the host of Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast. And he's a third certified transformational coach, certified psychotherapist, and an addictions and mental health specialist. And that's just among a few of the great wealth of knowledge that this human being is. Today, we're going to talk a lot about Jason's story and, and how he comes to be in this space. And then we're just going to organically let this deeper truth healing hour play itself out. Now, I do want you to know that I plan to do uh, quite a few different projects with Jason. And I know that you all are going to, you know, just love him and absorb his wisdom and experience and his amazing information as much as I have in the short meetings that we've had. So I'm really looking forward to getting into this today. First, I want to let you know that it is still, you're still able to get this amazing book. I didn't come this far to only come this far by my amazing friend, uh, Pamela Topgian. You can actually go to amazon.com. If it were me, I would type in Pamela Topgian because she has a lot of original art journals and, and different pieces that are just all super meaningful, super amazing. And she's a super amazing human being. You know, she's also the founder of Breakthrough Hypnotherapy, and she has an amazing gift to give this audience. So stick around to the end of this show to find out how you can take her up on that. Also, there are these books right now that we have from our friend Gregorio Craig Lewis. I got to get my directions right. The Better Days, a mental health recovery workbook the original peer support recovery and coping skills workbook and curriculum. And one of my favorite, per, my favorites is the guide to surviving the impossible. Craig Lewis is an amazing human being of whom I have done a show with um, a few months ago. And because of things that were things I couldn't help, uh, the footage has gotten skewed. And so now I'm working on that now, but you can pick up Craig Lewis's, all of those books right there at sanity is a full-time job.com. Make sure that you reach out to him, make sure that you saw it here with Reverend LC and recovery soul food and get those workbooks and start working on you. You are truly the master of your reality. And there are ways that you can heal your life, heal, you know, your, yourself from the inside out. That's what our focus here is healing from the inside out. And I promise you that the life you dream of is available for you. And I can't wait to let you hear from the masterful Jason Shears on how he's done that and how he continues to help his clients and audiences work through to their greatest possible life. So if you all are ready to get into this, Deeper Truth Healing Hour with me, Reverend LC, and our guest today, Jason Shears. I am ready, so let's go.
What's up, Jason? Thanks so much for being here with me and helping us get this re this almost retake, I guess, if you will. Yeah. And thanks so much. Welcome. Thank you. I love your intro. You know, I think it's cool. You got a great energy, and I love what I was just thinking. Two things that stood out to me when you were talking, you know, was that uh, your show was called Deeper Truth. You know, and uh, you talked about wisdom. You know, and it's kind of like one of the paradoxical things I often say sometimes when doing a talk is, "Don't listen to my words." You know, it's kind of and and that sounds like a paradoxical thing to say when you're listening to a podcast, right? Don't listen to my words, but like deeper truth and wisdom, you know, is within yeah. you, not within me. And I'm not here to teach anyone any wisdom. I'm here to share something that might help you see your own, you know, yeah. and um, that's what I kind of love about deeper truth. What What is there beyond beliefs, you know, beyond mm. our beliefs about ourselves, about the world, you know, it's like what, that, and that's where, that's where I'm always pointing to, you know, that deeper truth beyond the beliefs, beyond the mind-based and created and installed ideas of yourself. You know, you find the deeper truths about who you are and about life. And that is your own wisdom, you know, and that's why I'm saying don't listen to my words because where I'm, when I'm talking, I wouldn't be able to look within themselves and not mm. listening to me for the answers, you know? That is so true. That is so true in the current climate of, you know, all of, so many, you know, life coachings and so many different things. I think that that's a little bit about what's kind of gotten lost under a lot of the noise. And so that's what I like about people like yourself. And that's what I like about my journey is that, you know, there's so much, I've always gotten to the places that I'm, that I am now and the places I continue to go by trying the things that are supposed to work listening mm -hmm. to people's words, taking all of the suggestions, taking all of their strategies, and then it not working for me in the way that I want it to. And you always end up coming back to yourself. It's not that you don't, you know, take little nuggets from things that you've heard, but once you mix them in with, with your soul and they kind of, you know, intermingle with you, you find out that, that you, your deeper truth is what is going to help you become that in which that you long to become so what a great intro and an introduction for people to kind of see your soul and to know what you are you're here for and so we were connected by by someone and i am so grateful that that you know that this happened because i think we're so much in that same focus of, of people finding their deeper truth and not even so much finding it, but just discovering that it's there and discovering that they're not really lacking anything. I don't feel like we're lacking anything within us. It's about coming back to a place of believing that within ourselves. So I'd love for you to, to kind of share with us in the audience how you came to be in this space, you know, who you are and how you came to be in this space of understanding. I like deeper understanding. Oh, I've not heard that word before. That's cool. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's such a long journey. There's so many uh, facets of my experience, you know, it could be with drugs or it could be with the psychiatric system. It could be with um, food addiction, you know, and trauma. There's, there's so much because it was all kind of rolled together into one. You know, it was the experience of losing my dad who was killed in an accident when I was young. And um, from there, you know, all bets were off, really. It was just like 
everyone for himself type of thing. That's how it felt, you know, to be me. And um, my mum coped with it the best she could, you know, which was her coping with herself, you know, and I guess she was left with two small children, you know, which was a challenge for her. <coughs> and I found food to be my comfort, you know, my, my escapism, my loyal companion, you know. And um, so I ballooned in weight and, you know, and, and got completely unruly as a small child, difficult to control and, you know, and, and I was in my own little world, I guess. Um, you know, and I was introduced to the system, you know, as I call it today, you know, the, the, the psychiatric system medicated, given a diagnosis at a young age. I, I, as I remember, it was nine or 10 years old, you know, and uh, I didn't actually know I was put on medication until recent years when I look back at my medical reports I applied for them it took me a while but I got all these uh, old reports you know sent through to me and it's, it said I was diagnosed with a uh, depression and put on a, a dose of antidepressants you know I've no idea how long that's because there was nothing in there to say when it ended or anything <laughs> like that um and I had no idea what antidepressants were like back then you know I hadn't like looked into it too much um but yeah, I certainly had a block of time in my life missing, you know, like in my mind, it's kind of like the certain years that I remember very vaguely. And that could be like by choice because it was so painful to be me or it could yeah. be by medication, you know, it's kind of like a certain them to have an issue with, you know, with memory loss and stuff. But um, mm. yeah, I was already, before I found drugs, you know, I was already outrageous. You know, I was like, uh, I mean, I do crazy things like steal money from home and buy bikes or motorbikes or um anything you know like i would get up at i mean i mean like the next door neighbor had a sister who had a motorbike and we we would like wake her up at five o'clock in the morning and steal the sister's motorbike and go out riding it at five o'clock in the morning you know like three kids <laughs> it's kind of like things like that i mean we would just do anything um crazy so when i found drugs at the age of 13 or 14 I mean, it just so happened to be heroin for me. It wasn't necessarily that I'd progressed. You hear many times, right, the progression of drug story. You know, I started yeah. cannabis, and then I and then I took this, and then I took LSD, and then then I ended up with uh, cocaine or heroin. You know, usually yeah. one way or the other, people go, or yeah. and, and then often progressing into crack or something or meth. It's like so. It's like that, but for me, it was just heroin first. You know, it wow. was kind of like. Uh, only because I was around some people that had it and I was curious. And uh, as soon as I took some straight away, I kind of felt that, um, that anyone who's ever took heroin will know that that's that space of inside me going quiet. Yeah. It's kind yes. of like finding peace. And yes, it seemed like my whole life was in service of quietening the inside down because it was so mm. painful to be me. My head was very busy, you know, over th chronic overthinker. Um, yes. The committee, as you might hear it called, you know, yeah. in, in, in your own mind, you know, that was there waiting for me every day when I woke up. Um, and heroin quietened that down, you know. And for the first time from when I lost my dad, you know, at five, then I started having uh, cognitive and rational um brain development you know and started thinking it's kind of like and when i first took drugs you know i, I found some peace you know it was mm. kind of like oh god yeah it's all right you know it's okay today and um you know and and, and it was 
it was like the longing for all that I'd ever looked for had finally arrived, you know? Yeah. So it was kind of like, there was no way I was stopping, you know, I'd like yeah. found the ultimate answer to life, right. you know? And right. it was like, you know, I would do any, from the very first time I would kill to get more, you know, yeah. to do more. Um, and that's not always the case with addiction, you know, it's kind of like, but in my case, it certainly was a respite from myself. You know, it was, it was, it was the solution. And we'd probably talk about that, you know, that drugs are only ever the yeah. solution that they're, they're not the problem. They yeah, never yeah. have been the problem. They're only ever the solution to an internal dis-ease, you know, yes. and a strong sense of internal dis-ease. Um, and they certainly were the solution at the time. You know, but like like all good addiction stories, you know, the drugs stop working at some point. You know, they become, um, you still get the physical effects of them, but the mind doesn't stay quiet. You know, it's kind of like the busyness, the self-loathing, the thinking about life, the suicidal ideation, you know, it comes back. You know, it's like mm -hmm. the, the, the pain inside that's caused by the original this is the original misunderstanding of who we are. You know, I'm a separate human being in this challenging world who has lost or done bad things, you know, who's now holds the full responsibility within himself to make his life okay. I mean, fuck me. Anyone with that amount of thinking responsibility, you know, is right. going to feel heavy about life and he's going to want to escape. You know, it makes yeah. perfect sense. So when I think about myself as all the things that have happened to me and via all the things that I've done, you know, as a being a part of me, you know, like getting clean is kind of like such a, such a, it's almost like being at base camp, looking at the top of Everest, you know, in a pair of shorts yeah. thinking, <laughs> yeah. am I, am I going to make it? You know, it's yeah. kind of like, that's how big it looks because yeah. the weight of our own thoughts is the heaviest thing that we ever carry, you know, Amen. about ourselves. And, um, so, so drugs took me away from that, you know, and, and, and food as well, you know, I mean, drugs were never enough on their own after I committed crime on a daily basis and um, found drugs, I'd go out and steal food, you know, and, and compulsively eat. It was like, there was a, there was a, there was a never ending hole inside of me, you know, that needed mm. filling with stuff until I was oblivious, you know, and passed out every day and then woke up the next day kind of, you know, like uh, waking up from a from a, a bender, you know, just thinking, oh, what happened? And then thinking, shit, have I got any drugs? How do I go and do it again? You know, it's yeah. just like that. And, um, and, and coming out of jail was much like waking up. You know, it's kind of like it was the same. You know, it's kind of like I'd come out of jail. I'd think to myself, I'd just have one. You know, it'd be okay this time because every yeah. day I was just going to have one and then yeah. I'm going to stop, right? And, then, and yeah. then it was like, come out of jail. And as soon as I'd had one, I'd be going again until the next time I was in jail. You know, it was just like that every time. And so many, there's so many stories of chaotic, crazy things, you know, risks taking, um, you know, dangerous situations, violent stuff, um, things that I witnessed in jail that still haunt me to this day. You know, it's kind of like um, crazy stuff. And, um, you know, I was just lost in it all, you know, I was just lost in that, that world and, um, lived in a homeless shelter in the end, you know, there's so much to say about it, but it's, I don't think it's that important to the overall message, you know, it's kind of, it was bad and it was crazy. And, um, the end was a homeless shelter, you know, it was it, it, like in between from starting off, I kind of knew how to commit crime because I'd committed crime long before I ever took drugs, 
you know, so crime was a natural progression for me. It was easy to make money to buy drugs at the start. But at the end, I'd burnt out. I mean, I couldn't go out without a hoodie and a hat and a scarf mm. because I'd get arrested every time because the police would know that they would want me for something, you know. And I never knew every time I went out if I would go home because I thought your ear becomes attuned in the UK, like the, the particular types of police cars and vans that they used back in that time had a particular engine sound. Now, this is kind of like real, real funny stuff. You know, like that. I was so attuned that if a car was driving towards me from behind, I would know if it was a police car because mm. I couldn't recognize the sound of the engine. And it's like, wow. and it would be like thinking, shit, you know, <laughs> not again, please. I just want to go to the shop. You know, it's kind yeah. of like, but I would end up in the back of the van back to the police station being arrested for something that I'd done and then perhaps end up in remand in jail, you know, or, or something again. And, Life was like that to the point where I didn't go out in the hours of daylight. You know, I would mm. only go out in the hours of darkness because it was safer. Yeah. Um, and at the end of it, yeah, I ended up in a homeless shelter just stealing joints of meat from the supermarket just enough to get a small amount of money just to survive on a daily basis. Because, um, you know, I was so fearful of going back to jail and I was so tired of it all. You know, after 10 years of living like that, you know, I was just like desperate and... The homeless shelter gave some respite, you know, it was just like somewhere to stay. But everyone in there was a, was an addict or, you know, of some type. And um, the funny thing was, was about this homeless shelter that I was in, was that no one was allowed to be addicted to drugs or alcohol, you know. And it's kind of like, that was one of the rules of being in there, a homeless shelter. You know, it's kind of like every single person was on drugs or alcohol, but everyone was hiding it, you know. It's kind of like, so, so everyone in there knew that everyone else was doing it. But nobody let the people who ran the, ran the shelter kind of, or they had to hide it. I'm sure they knew, but it's kind of like they had to hide it. But um, from there, I went into rehab, you know, and, and you know, I think the important point about rehab for me is that, like I said earlier, was drugs were only ever the solution, you know, they weren't, were never right. the answer. So what was happening in, in rehab was one of the major things that was happening when I went to rehab was you were taking away my solution to life. You know, yeah. drugs were being stopped. So I had in my, what I call infinite intelligence, which is, which all human beings are blessed with, you know, this mind-body system will find another way to cope with its internal experience if you take away its coping mechanism completely unconsciously to me, not cognitive and rationally, not like, oh, now I don't have any drugs, so I need to find a new... And Not like that. You know, it's yeah. kind of like it, in, in a completely sneaky and unconscious way. So... For me, the drugs were taken away. You know, it's kind of like I started, I didn't even smoke cigarettes, but I started smoking cigarettes. It's kind of like then I hadn't even done that, even though I'd smoked weed and, and drugs and everything for years. It's kind of like I never had liked it, but I thought, well, that's the first thing I did. And then I started um, stealing copious amounts of food, eating out of bins, um, you know, like I would even watch people eating at the at the lunch table so and and seeing if people left food on their plates and knowing that I could steal it afterwards you know that's how like my mind was working you know it's kind of like it was just completely like as a radar you know looking for the solution and uh all I knew, I mean I didn't really think too much at that time it's just kind of like I just had an internal urge and yeah. a physical compulsion and a mental obsession to fill this emptiness that was inside of me you mm. know um 
so yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it was like in rehab. You know, it was just kind of like going from one to the other. I gained like a hundred pound in twelve weeks. You know, it's wow. kind of like in in rehab, just stuffing so much food every single day. Uh, my room under the bed covers was full of food because throughout the day I would go and steal it and go and hide it in the bed. You know, it's kind of like so, so I didn't have it on me at the time, and um, you know, there was a there was su such a shameful, embarrassing times like I couldn't even buy clothes to fit me because I was so overweight you know and um you know I can remember yeah I mean there's some crazy stuff you know it's kind of like that happened around that time but like <laughs> yeah that's when I was introduced to 12 steps and 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 I was I mean they introduced to 12 steps in the rehab and then sent us to 12 step to narcotics anonymous you know which I'm ever grateful for but I believed with the complete naivety you know it's kind of like what i was told because i was mm -hmm. desperate you know and i would do anything not to live the life that i was living exactly. and you could have told me and you hear this many times in 12-step meetings you could have told me to stand on my head and i would have done it you know it's kind yeah. of like well that you know that just shows the desperation that we have yeah. you know when we're in active addiction to get away to change our experience you know and and, and that was true for me so telling me i had a disease and that I needed to not use and not drink for the rest of my life one day at a time was was all right, was okay. You know, I'd go for that because, like, you know, I was tired anyway. You know? Yeah. Um, and the fact of the rest of it, you know, that there was something wrong with me, no one could explain it. It was an unexplainable phenomena, you know, but I needed to do these things in order to be okay and get myself a sponsor and attend regular meetings and do step work and all this stuff. Like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll do anything. You know, it's like... You know, I yeah. didn't even understand uh, belief systems or internal dis-ease or spiritual connection or emptiness or drugs as a solution. You know, I mean, I really thought that I just had a drug problem and I just need to stop. Right. And then they told me this thing and then I thought, okay, this, this sounds better than what I've got, you know. <laughs> so let's do that. I just come out of jail. I owned a bin bag when I went into rehab, you know, a, a, a bin liner, you know, with a few clothes in it. That was it. So, um from there, you know, my life got better on the outside. You know, yeah. like I was always yeah. very smart. I'd been to private school, <clears throat> even though I got kicked out. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was very intelligent. You know, it's like so outside. You know, I got things got better for me. You know, um, I got careers and made money, but my internal world just got worse and worse. You know, mm -hmm. and I wasn't sure why. It was just kind of like uh, moving from toxic relationship to toxic relationship to obsession with a gym to um pornography to different things to food obsession you know to oh constantly yeah. being obsessed with losing weight i mean the weight loss story is it might be a whole nother thing because it's mm -hmm. kind of like you know i i had during the next 20 years i had seven cosmetic surgeries and in an, in an attempt to try and change the outside to fix the inside mm -hmm. you know it's like i I, I even two of them were in third world countries because it was cheaper and I didn't have the money. And it's like, imagine that. I mean, I always often say, imagine going, putting yourself to sleep in a unknown place, <laughs> like hoping to wake up thin and happy, you know, right. it's kind of like, like really, I mean, you could have had your organs stolen or anything could have happened. Right. You, you, you hear about this stuff, but I mean, I was willing to do that because I was desperate, you know? So the yeah. weight thing went up and down, you know, and it's like I stayed clean. It was the only thing I did. I didn't take drugs. But um, psychotherapy came about because I was so, so, uh, so much internal dis-ease. And I was going to meetings with everyone who was laughing and joking about 
consuming too much cake and uh, all the women they'd slept with and all this other stuff. And to me, it was like I, I was wanting to die inside, you know, and they were laughing. And I was thinking, is it just me that's really struggles with this stuff? Yeah. You know, it's kind of because I just sit there going, hey, yeah, it's great. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of, but then I go home, put my head on the pillow, and I just yeah. feel this. Am I doing like something a brick, wrong? Like a, yeah. like a brick in my chest, you know, just yeah. kind of like the, the, the depth of. Um, pain inside of me that I, that was difficult to be with, you know, and that I needed to mm. escape from. Um, and I often thought some people seem to have this so much easier, you know, they seem to be able to compulsively eat and be okay, gain massive, you know, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like an overweight and that, and uh, they seemed okay with it. And I wasn't, you know, I looked in the mirror, reflection of myself, and I hated myself. Yeah. You know, I'd look in the mirror and I'd want to, I'd want to cut parts of myself off. You know, it's kind of yes. like I hated it that much. It was so uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, I started in psychotherapy with a desire to feel better. You know, like a desire to change. And I, I, I started as a client of a therapist. And after a little bit, I straight away I thought, this is it. You know, it's kind of like this is what's for me. You know, this is the. Um, I need to learn this stuff because if I learn this therapy stuff, I'll be able to. I uh, feel better about myself. You know, that mm. was kind of the goal. That was always the goal, you know, to find internal peace. Um, yeah. So, yeah, many, many years and many modalities of different therapy trainings and qualifications later, you know, I kind of, yeah. um, and, and jumping from one to a, not, not, not quitting, but like completing and going to the next and doing the next, thinking each time, um, Maybe maybe that's not the right one, you know. And and like, oh, man is infinitely creative. So like, I mean, there's 500 talking therapies on Wikipedia. I'll tell you, yes, you know, about how creative we are. You know, it's like every time I knew over these years that I was training and doing therapy, there were so many new things coming out. You know, DBT, um, mm. transformational therapy, tapping, EMDR. Yeah. All yeah. these things were being developed over the last um, couple of decades. And like I would be signing up for everything, you know, it's like, because, because I thought maybe this is the one. Maybe this yes. is, you know, um, yeah. this is good for trauma, EMDR. Okay, this is good for trauma. Okay, okay. yeah. You know, it's kind yep. of like I've really got that. Um, I, in my mind, I was afflicted with so much. And, um, you know, it was just challenging always to be me. My life was just one clusterfuck of, of mm. you know, of everything chaotic. And, and like I said earlier, you know, it's like, I, I can't give enough emphasis to the heaviest weight we ever carry is the weight of our own thinking about ourselves. Yes. You know? And that was what I woke up with every single day, the weight of my own thinking about myself, the desire to escape and coupled that with the, with the absolute certainty that I did not want to take drugs or alcohol. You know, it's kind of like, so then all that you do is you narrow down your potential for getting out of yourself, you know, okay, yeah. it's not drugs or alcohol, then it has to be sex or money or, gambling you know it's yeah. kind of like or prostitution or you know it's yeah. kind of like pornography what are the choices left and anything that would feel good would be an option you know anything mm -hmm. that would escape me from myself the next the next little rabbit hole to go down you know to find that escapism yeah um yeah and that's what it's like i mean it continued like that for for you know i went to meetings all over the world i had so many friends in 12 steps i'm ever grateful for 12 steps you know it's like i'm i'm grateful for the for the because it it was really my start of the journey inwardly you know of yeah. kind of questioning 
who am I, you know, and yeah. unknown to myself. I mean, only because what I know now, that makes sense looking back at it. But while I was in it, it didn't make sense. It just seemed like another external solution, you know, another yeah. process of doing or technique on the outside to get better on the inside, you know. And I can remember asking the question, what does this mean in step 12, having had a spiritual awakening? It's like, like, what does, you know, how do you know if you had a spiritual awakening? What, <laughs> what will be different? You know, it's kind mm -hmm. of like, how would I feel? You know, it's kind of like, and, and I've done all these other 1 to 11, but I'm not sure if I've had this spiritual awakening. And people used to, people who are at the same level as understanding as me would say things like, well, um, you stopped using them. You said, that's a spiritual awakening. And I'd go, okay, yeah, that sounds kind of, you know, that sounds true. You know, yeah. it must be a different level of spiritual spirit you will awakening, you know, like my spirit yeah. has awoken to the point where I'm no longer destroying myself with drugs or alcohol, but hold on a minute because I'm actually just destroying myself with all this other shit. So has it, you know, yeah. So I was yeah. in that constant mind based questioning of what does recovery mean and what is recovery about? And, mm. I'm a, and then on the flip side of that, I mean, all the therapy training about trauma, about childhood, about the past and, um, I'm just fucked, you know, as a person. It's like being me is particularly painful. It's depressing. And the amount of times that I considered suicide, you know, it's kind of like where we're, you sit there in so much pain some days and I think to myself, well, I could take drugs, you know, I could overdose or I could kill myself. You know, it's kind of like yeah. and none of them seem like good options. And that was sure. pretty shit because... I didn't want to be me anymore, you yeah. know, and it's like, but I'd sit and think about them because I really wanted to escape my internal experience of who I was. Mm. Um, yeah. So, you know, all this stuff I'm grateful for because like, it's only ever by knowing what's not true. Do we find yeah. what's true? Absolutely. Know, ever by knowing what is not true and finding what's not true. And I always felt, you know, like I didn't fit in in 12 steps for 22 years of going three times a week, conventions all over the world, talking at conferences. I always felt like I didn't fit in, you know, mm. and, and I just believe, I just believed that story that I was an addict and there was something wrong with me and I needed to do these things in order to be okay. I'd never questioned, was that true? Was that just another belief system? Because I hadn't even understood belief systems. I didn't know what they were. You know, I didn't know how the mind worked. I didn't know how, what, how our thoughts play a role in, in what we see outside of us. You know, I thought life was an outside in experience. It was about yeah. ducks in a row, so to speak, yep. metaphorically. Yep. Like checking the, on the outside. Yeah, check boxes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, once I get these boxes ticked, then I'll yeah. be okay. But the boxes were always illusory. They're always at yeah. some point in the future that never came about. Or if they ever did, pretty soon, one second after that box was ticked, there'd be another box in its place yeah. saying I had to get here. So yeah. while I had been pointed inwardly by the 12 steps, you know, like in, to some respect, you know, look inwardly, look inwardly. I always find it slightly conflicting that a spiritual process also has a technique to do, you know, it's kind mm -hmm. of like you're okay. Everything's okay. And there's a power greater than you inside of you driving the bus, so to speak. Yet, if you don't do these simple steps, then that won't, that won't be true. You know, I, I think that there's something inside of you, regardless of what you do and everything is divine, even if you yes. don't know it, you know? Yes. And, um, so, uh, and seeking was the thing, you know, everyone in 12 steps used to say to me, you need to stop seeking. Seeking's your problem, you know. Can't you uh, do something for somebody else without asking for something in return? Or 
can't you just stop seeking just for one day? Like it's always like one day at a time, right? Just one hour at a time. If you can't do one day at a time, stop yep. seeking. But you know, I, seeking to me is our is our intuitive knowing of home. You know, it's our mm. intuitive home being that place inside of us that is a hundred percent mentally healthy and peaceful. You know, at all times. That's 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 what seeking is. It's our knowing of home, our pl- that place that's within us that's perfectly okay and we just innocently because we've become overly identified as a separate being in a world of form have got lost in this search for what we think that is in Amen. in form in the objective Amen. paradigm outside of us you know yes. and it's only through exercising that seeking and being willing to try fucking everything do you get to a point where you go you know what i've like, just tried everything it's like then you know, it, it's a form of surrender to go, okay, then what does it mean to look within? You know, what does that mean to look inside? It's like, because I, I'm never willing to look inside until I've until I've exhausted every option outside that looks right. easier to me. Right, you know, right. The, in, the inside of me, from my mind's perspective, is a scary place to look. Yes. You know, it's an uncomfortable, it's full of trauma, it's full of pain, it's full of sadness, it's full of grief, it's full of emptiness, it's full of isolation and loneliness and separation, all the things that feel fucking ugly and horrible and that I don't want to be with, you know, I don't I, yeah. I don't know how to be with. Yeah, yeah, that's a great that's a great point. I don't know how to be with. I mean, listening to you, I feel so, you know, just resonating with everything that you're describing because it was the you know the exact same path that's why that's why i think it's so beautiful to share things like this and i and i love going back to what you said in the beginning don't listen to my words i want you to find yourself through you know what i'm sharing and you know for for so many of us this these are the processes that we're that we're doing we're seeking this external something to help us calm the the quiet mess you know the or quiet the mess that's happening within because i feel you on every aspect the obsessiveness the thinking and to be me my whole belief system was that i was god's little joke like if throw you know throw me in the wrong body throw trauma on top of that it's like and then you know and i had no idea that in those belief systems i was building i had no other opportunity but to continue to draw that those same experiences because that was my filter so it just reunifies the belief and all of the things that you're sharing so vulnerably and i appreciate that so much because you know it's i think it's important for us to share in a vulnerable way and nothing be off the table so that because there's someone out there who's so embarrassed to share that part of themselves or to look at that part of themselves that they can hear it from you. And, and, and somehow, because all of that stuff just creates this greater place of shame. Well, this isn't working for me and it's working for everybody else. So again, what's wrong with me? So I'll go this way and, you know, and then a boom, here we are again, it didn't work. So, so why am I so unfixable? You know, Mm. that's that external thing that we see. And it's because nothing external from us can can quiet that that voice within that's that's basically getting louder and louder with every attempt to 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 basically turn around and say there's nothing wrong with you. You know, there's something that 
I, I want you to hear. There's there's something I need you to to see within yourself. There's something, you know, these things aren't working. And instead of going there initially, like you said, we just keep trying at the other things, you know, from surgeries. And, you know, it's it's just amazing to hear you speak so openly about these things. And I've never had a guest here to really sit down and lay it out the way that you're laying it out right now in, in such a masterful form. So I, I, I guess I would, I'm really interested and I'm sure that's the natural progression of the story of how you came to that place through your seeking of, of an understanding, you know, of that place of kind of an understanding of, uh, you know, now what or where do we go so i'm really interested to hear that part like, i can't wait <laughs> yeah. um I, you know just before like i'm gonna like say one little statement which i love and it really would um ask anyone to sort of to ponder this you know it's kind of like you know you you can never get enough of what you don't want mm. and that is yeah. that is life pointing you inwardly you know it's kind mm. of like because Every single thing that you seek in will, will, you know, inevitably bring pain, disaster, suffering, or failure, or it will stop working. You know, it's kind of like one way or the other, you know, and it's kind of like, and that is like, life is always pointing us inside. Life is yes. always pointing us inside. We just don't know it. You know, we just don't know that. And it's like the, your perspective of, failure disaster not good enough you know is via the filter of your own mind your beliefs about self and the installed you know based on everywhere you've been to try and get help you know this didn't work that didn't work what other people have told you what relationship friends family um religion cultural societal family conditioning have installed into you you know it's kind of like um it's all failure but actually you could look at it another way and say that you know, you can never get enough of what you don't want because there's nothing that can make you happy in the outside yes. world. You know, there is yes. nothing that can make you happy. No circumstance, no amount of money, no relationship, no weight loss, no body type, no change, no anything that can bring you what it is you want, you know, in, yeah. in, in the outside world on yeah. the inside. No amount of, of abstinence time or years oh. of abstinence from drug and alcohol. You no, know, that's definitely not. And, um, that's where that's 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 the you know like how I ended up looking inwardly because I tried I was a, a willing trier of everything you know it's kind of like I decided to go to I'd done all of Tony Robbins I've yep. done all of um, um, Landmark and Hoffman Process and all these cathartic release things that I could find um, yep. silent started to do silent meditations. Uh, trying to be sitting myself in a silent meditation was horrific you know it's kind of like so it was like quietening the mind with a goal you know a, a future goal it's kind of like if i got there then i'd be okay yep and um you know i don't think there was anything that i hadn't or wouldn't try you know it's like um and i especially loved anything that was free so if somebody was oh, doing yeah. um uh, demos <laughs> or anything any tra therapy yeah. trainings or or stuff like that, i would show up for that and put my name down for anything yeah you know? yeah um, so yeah, I mean, like serendipitously, you know, I, I came across a, an understanding 
um, called The Three Principles by Sidney Banks, um, mm. which, which was being chaired by Michael Neal. Now, I came across Michael Neal kind of coincidentally or, or not. You know, it's kind of like that I was... I found this course that he'd done called The Path of Effortless Change just completely mm. by accident, just as a, in a way of... Um, I had to share it with some with a group of um, personal development people that I was in this WhatsApp group, and I had to share this video, some videos or some sort of resources to be part of it. Everyone had to share something, and uh, I'd looked and I'd found this one called the Path of Effortless Change. And as I said, my life had felt anything but effortless. It had felt like a complete uh, clusterfuck, you know, all on every on an, on a daily basis, and it had felt intense and heavy. And, and like walking through quicksand most of the time. So effortless, I love the sound of, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I listened to this thing. And I, I, as, I, as I said at the start, don't listen to my words. The reason I said that is because I listened to this audio almost like unconsciously, you know. it's kind of, It was on playing. The video was on playing next to me, but I found myself mesmerized by it. And I kept going back thinking about, little snippets of sentences that he'd said and thinking, fuck, you know, there's something about this, you know, it's kind of like, now the intellect, that's why I say don't listen is because we really want to bypass our intellectual filter, you know, that, that, that basically filters all information, throws it out again or shelves it somewhere for later. You know, it's mm. kind of like, that's what the, the, the intellectual mind does. And it's really good at that, but it's absolutely shit at finding us help when we need to find a deeper truth about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I'd heard something that resonated deeper than my intellectual filter. You know, I'd heard mm-hmm. something that I thought there's something interesting about what this guy's saying. And um, curious as, as I was, I didn't follow it up more until a year later when it came back to my mind because I was going to LA for something. And um, I end up in LA and I looked, I was going to LA and I looked on his website and he had a little event on two days after I was there. And I thought, oh, this is bizarre. You know, this guy had really caught my attention a, a year ago and I'm going to LA for something else, but he's got a, a, a course on two days after I'm there. And uh, so I found my way to get there, you know, and I turns up at his house with my, you know, in my mind, with my long list of qualifications, what's this guy <laughs> going to teach me? You know, it's kind of like I've been clean X amount of years. I know everything. And I, yeah. you know, so in the same way, I remember, I, I always remember this little, little old lady. She was about 30 years clean when I got clean and she was in the rehab and she looked over these half moon glasses and she said to me, you can't save your ass and your face at the same time. You know, <laughs> it always stuck with me that, you know, yeah. because I thought, I got to this place and I was trying to save my face, you know, it's kind of yeah. my heart was on fire, you know, it's kind of like, but like I wanted to like look good because I was so fickle and my ego was so wounded, yeah. you know, it's kind yeah. of like that. I needed to show up as if I'm somebody when really yeah. I'm, des- I'm desperate, you know, I'm Amen. inside and I'm, I'm lost, you know? So, and um, I just got this invitation from him. I remember, you know, like of him saying, can you just be here? And it was just like the most simple thing to say, but like, you know, no one had ever invited me to just be here. I mean, what I lived in my head, you know, I lived in the mm. video game playing in my head on a 24 seven basis. You know, it's kind of like I was playing the lead character of the movie that was playing in my own mind. You know, it's mm. kind of like, and that's where I lived. I couldn't, I was never present for anything because I only right. ever lived in my head and my body. I mean, mm. I was a walking head. I was not connected yeah. to my body unless mm. life was not going my way for some reason when I was trying to fix myself at this point. Yeah, then I'd be connected to my body. I'd feel the shittiness. Yeah. You know, it's like that's all I would know about my body, you know? Yep, yep. Um, so in that moment of saying, you know, can you just be here, be present? It was like an invitation to just go, 
just let my thinking go, you know, and mm. that's kind of like me saying, don't listen to my words, let your thinking go. Don't listen for this to be like something you've heard before. Don't compare it. Don't see if this is the right way. Don't see if it's uh, useful and you can save it for later. Don't listen to see if it's right or wrong so you can argue with me. It's kind of like, just let it go over your head like mm. music, you know, and it's kind of like anything he said to me, you don't need to write anything down because anything you need to hear, you'll remember, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, wow, I've been to so many trainings where everyone just at the start takes out their notebook, starts making notes, keeps their head buried in the book the whole time while somebody's giving a lecture. And like, there's no presence. There's no feeling of connection between two human beings, no heartfelt moments. You know, it's kind of like, but this, this experience was full of heartfelt moments and presence, you know, and it's yeah. kind of like, and I felt, connected to my own heart for the first time you know i felt yeah. this this moment of quietness you know and i remember at the end I, I wasn't really sure what had happened i wasn't kind of in there going yes this is the answer my mind hadn't caught up my intellect hadn't caught up with that but at the end of it i kind of sat on this um rope swing it was looking out over this valley it was on a on a on a evening it was sunny in in california and I was kind of looking and I was just feeling this bliss experience inside of me and I was feeling at peace. And I just thought, you know, what has happened? It's kind of like, because in my mind, like, like we talked about, it was only going to be uh, if I'd got my ducks in a row, you know, my outside um, tick boxes ticked. But and I was, my mind was going, well, you haven't got more money, haven't lost weight, haven't got a new relationship. You know, it's kind of like, what's going on, you know? And then I just yeah. kept coming back to this blissful experience inside of me and sitting there going, I was listening to the birds and I was going, I don't remember if I ever heard that before. Mm. You know? And I just looking on this, it was just a green, it was like a hill-shaped valley, you know, that, that, where this Airbnb looked out over the back. It was a beautiful setting. I mean, I only picked it by coincidence or may, maybe not, you know, maybe it's yeah. just, that's etched in my mind now but um sitting there for hours just feeling blissful thinking i've never experienced peace and i uh, you know so many things happened in those few hours i thought this is the home that i've been looking for this is, mm. the, this is the peace that i've been searching for it's like i felt like seeking i kind of knew that seeking had ended at that point mm. you know, it's kind of like and i was just like it, it was mind-boggling because like in my mind, I realized, the first thing I realized was that I had a belief that change is difficult, right? If you've been in the system yes, for a long time, yes. since you were young, or you've been through some turmoil, some trauma, some attempts, some different modalities of change, you've been, you've been diagnosed in the psychiatric um, diagnoses, and you've been through some different therapies, and you've tried some, and you've been through the 12 steps, you know, any of those, any, any mixture of those things, you will have somehow innocently taken on the belief that change is difficult, yeah. So, uh, as I had, so it was really confusing. So I was thinking, well, this has happened overnight. You know, it's kind of like, it's just like that in a moment, you know, the click of a finger is like an insight, a seeing that there's a movie playing in my own mind where I'm the lead character that I wake up every day. I don't like the movie, so I escape. You know, it's kind mm -hmm. of like, but, but it is just a movie. It's not me. It's not who I am. You know, it's kind of like, mm -hmm. and I'd seen that. I'd seen that really clearly. I thought shit yeah that's not who i am you know it's kind of like who i am is the person that kept seeking you know the knowing of home the the, mm -hmm. the the part that brought me here the part that never gave up the part with infinite intelligence with infinite creativity with infinite attempts to cope with all the adversity you know not the mm -hmm. escapism or the shit that i'd done that was just a byproduct of it 
and I had all these realizations on that night, you know, so much so that, I mean, like, I never went back to therapy. I didn't go back to 12 steps after 22 years. I mean, I, I'd had it installed into me that if I stopped going to meetings, I would die. Yeah. Every single yeah. meeting for 22 years. You know, yeah. somebody say that. And I just knew I didn't need to go anymore. I okay. knew, you know, it's kind of yeah. like, and and, I, and I'm and i nearly 30 years clean, 29 years I am this year. It's kind wow. of like, so uh, I haven't died, <laughs> you know, yet. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, but... um. You know, I just saw, you know, there's nothing wrong with the 12 steps. I said, but it doesn't mean there's no a deeper truth, you know, than right. that, that, the, the belief that I'm an addict saved my life, you know, it saved mm -hmm. my life for a while, but it never took me to the ultimate place inside of me that I am okay, regardless of anything else. You know, like there's Beautiful. a place in me that's okay. There's a place in all human beings, you know, no matter what you have done, no matter how no matter what, I mean, and I really mean no matter what, because I know there's one of you out there going, yeah, it doesn't, if you knew yeah. what I'd done, then, right. you, then you'd know that it doesn't apply to me because I was that person. You know? Yeah, I, me too. I, I'd, I'd done that shit. And uh, no matter what, no matter what any psychiatrist has said, no matter how many years of therapy, no matter how many years of relapses or chaos or how many, how many attempts at overdose or how many times you've been in the psychiatric ward, there's a place and you could call it the pilot light. You know, the pilot light is always lit. You know, it's kind mm. of like, and all it takes is that small insight into the truth that your reality yeah. isn't real. You know, that, yeah. that what you think about yourself and the outside world. I like to say it like this, right? There's who we think we are and where we think we are. And then there's who we think we need to be and where we think we need to be to be okay. And mm. in that gap is all suffering. You know, it's yes. kind of like, but the truth is, there's no gap. The gap collapses. Yes. The gap collapses on seeing that the gap is a function of our own mind. It's a made up, fictitious future place that we tell ourselves, when I get there, I'll be happy. Yeah, you know, man. and we yeah. can't ever get there because there is no there, because there's no future. You know, the, there's only ever now. Yes. And, and yes. that was all the things that happened to me in that experience, you know, when that happened. Uh that's amazing. And there, and you're so right. You are absolutely just right on top of that inner truth is that, you know, every bit of that constant chasing and disappointment and chase and disappointment is this constant loop of almost sabotage. And the real place of peace has just been there the whole time, you know, like it's just already here. And being able to have the moment that you can kind of, you know, just begin to start really again, understanding that part it's, and it, and it goes against everything that, that the whole mind process is already programmed in you. It goes against everything. So it almost, I, when I was going through that place, cause that's almost like the shakeup, the, the um the awakening process if you will the you know is is to realize how much of all of that programming and those that you truly believed even the things that you think you didn't believe in you had to believe in them not to believe in them and there's this place that that comes with that realizing that this bliss is basically almost effortless um in, in an in an external way that all of a sudden there's this this almost a shaky feeling inside like but wait a minute if i don't stand on all of this 
you know, how can this be true? You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, I don't know if I'm expressing it correctly, but, but that's how I felt. It's like, oh my gosh, all of this, you know, just, just constant running and obsessiveness didn't work. And I know it didn't work. It created nothing but suffering. And now it seems like this effortless, you know, kind of just, you know, being with and within me and, and being and starting internal, you know, it feels right. It feels good. But there's this just this place where that program and I call it the destruction phase. Um, you know, I, I work in construction and in order to, you know, remodel something, we have to go through demolition. And so all the old stuff has to be, you know, kind of moved out. So that now we can have this moment of, of rebuilding. But in these cases, it's almost like a, it just is so, it's so much, it's, it's just effortless. And that's hard for people to really grasp. It was hard for me to grasp that, mm -hmm. you know, I don't really have to do a whole lot. I mean, we're called, we, we're called human beings for a reason. There's, there's, you know, to be in and being human versus the doing and doing, I, I, Man, I, I love it's just everything that you share, just everything that you that you are and that you're about. And it's so true for you. See, that's the thing, the difference in like I feel in your energy. This is so true for you that it's not even a question. And, and I think that's what makes what your presence here and your mission so authentic and and so powerful is that this is your knowing. This is your deeper truth. This is your inner healing. And and you can you just feel that coming from you. There are a lot of people that know the right things to say. You, on the other hand, to me, sir, are the absolute real deal in because this is your life and you can feel that from you. And I appreciate you sharing it, you know, on a on a grand scale. Yeah. You've got a good point, you know, and it's like, and that's why I say don't listen to my words because I, I don't want followers. I don't want like to teach anyone anything. I want mm -hmm. people to see what's true about themselves. I, I would call that the difference between feeding a man a fish and teaching him how to fish. You know, it's yes. kind of like one is going to feed him for a lifetime. You know, it's like, like you said earlier, you know, like plasters on bullet holes, you know, or techniques for their temporary measures. They may improve things a little bit sometimes, you know, and yeah. I'm not against that. It's kind of right, like right. long-term um, internal, you know, awareness, realization of who we are. You know, it's kind of like that we're not flawed individuals. It's kind of like right. that everything is divine and working perfectly yes. comes via the seeing that you are innately whole and perfect inside. And yes. the way that came about for me, and this is why I share this is because uh, I had people, you know, that saw that in me when I couldn't see it in myself. And mm. like, you know, like I am, I had the most convincing stories of how broken I was. You know, yeah. I, I did have those. I would say, look, oh, yeah. I understand what you're saying about this innate well-being thing. And it sounds like a great concept and it probably is all right for people who've had a, maybe they didn't get chocolate ice cream a couple of times and, uh, you know, they fell over once and grazed their knee. I said, but if you'd known what I'd done, you know, it's kind of, mm -hmm. then you'd understand why it doesn't apply to me. And every time they just kind of look at me as if to say, bullshit, you know, it's kind <laughs> of like, and, and, and no matter what convincing story I had, they just pointed me back to the truth within, you know, it's kind of like that was, that, that there's part of me that was okay. And like, they led me to see that, you know, myself yeah. by pointing me gently 
back inside to myself rather than using my thinking mind about myself. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of, and, and what happened was, was that as the more stories I had over this period of time when it happened, the more I started to see what they were pointing to about was true about myself, you know, and that's mm. why I say don't listen to my words. Cause you have to see for yourself what's true about you. Like if addiction and all the chaos is our innate um, resilience and our, and our innate creativity by innate, I mean, it's built into the system as we're born, right. It's kind of like, then it's only ever leading you to peace. That's all it could ever be doing. You know, it's kind mm. of like, it's really we've got off track somewhere and we've tried to meddle in the process through the misunderstanding of who we are and tried to fix ourselves. You know, it's kind of like, but um, all it's ever doing really is the steam valve, like the steam valve of a pressure cooker is like letting yeah. off steam, you know, it's kind of like, and it's always guiding us back to this place of bliss. And it's only yeah. ever the mind and the installed ideas from the outside world and the helping professions that tell us that we're broken and there's something wrong with us. Man, yes. in his infinite creativity, has created a problem out of our infinite creative solutions. And by that, I mean, if I've got an internal disease, I go and behave in a way that's socially unacceptable. My internal disease does not give a shit whether what I'm doing is socially acceptable or not. All right. I give a shit about is finding ease in a world of dis-ease. So I yeah. go and do something, take drugs, for example, right? then man in his infinite creativity has created this thing called drug addiction. And it's kind of like, and, and come up with all the meanings of it and that. And then man has also created all the solutions to the problem. No one has said, look, that's your own internal innate infinite creativity, finding an answer to the, your internal dis-ease. So we, instead of looking outwardly at problem solution, which is man-made, you know, like we look internally to the system is working perfectly as it should. And when I start to see it that way, I start to say, oh, you know, it makes complete sense that I would like because of my internal disease, the things that I believed about myself because of what happened and, and basically the environment and the byproduct of my experience growing up and being left to my own devices. You know, I, I just got lost in it all. You know, it's kind of like, but it wasn't until somebody pointed me back inside did I start to see that like how resilient and how creative, you know, infinitely and endlessly creative I was until I found the solution, you know, and it's only when we wallow in the mind, in the thinking mind, you know, it's kind of like, and all the ideas that we have about ourselves, do we suffer? You know, it's like, but seeing that that is the system working perfectly because I mean, further things to add to that um, whole explanation is like, the body mind is a self-correcting system, right? It's kind of like, yeah. uh, and, and and like, this is just my take on it. Again, don't take my word for it, but check this out for yourself. You know, it's kind of like if you put food in your mouth, right, <laughs> and chew it, right, you don't have to do the digestion process yourself. Kind of works. Yeah, you, know, you don't have to sit thinking about digesting your food and right. passing it out the other side and what. It just happens. Yeah. Uh, you cut your finger. What do you do? You don't do anything. Yeah. It heals by itself. You break yeah. your leg. It heals by itself, right? Yeah, and we all yeah. also presume that health is the natural state of the body, right? Mm-hmm, and then somebody gets mm-hmm. sick, there's something wrong with them. But health is the return to place, the default, mm. yeah, of the body. Yeah. So yeah. naturally, if mind body is one system, um, health would be the natural state of the mind too, right? I mean, it might, right. why would it be different? Right, you know, right. Kind of like, so everything in this whole equation points to the fact that we are innately okay and like 
look inside yourself for that. Check it out. See if it's true. See if yeah. you have to digest your own food or you have to heal your own finger when it cuts or, you know, it's it kind of like makes sense to me in yeah. that way, you know, and, yeah. and maybe it will to others, you know. Yeah. And, and like you said, run the experiment. I, I love that whole, you know, quote of run the experiment. You know, you don't have to believe me, run the experiment and, and see what happens. And it's, and it's amazing that you're talking about that whole cutting process because I often have, you know, these conversations with my wife early in the morning. And I was just talking about the same thing, you know, thinking of, you know, what, see how the body really is is beautifully and amazingly designed so complex and by so, you know is so divine that that it is always in a process of trying to heal itself and a lot of times we we take symptoms of our physical health and we're we're suffering within the within the symptom and yet it, it's such a message of you know that whole mind body system you know there there's a there's a process in here there's a belief in here there's there's hidden you know like hurt or trauma that's trapped in here and 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 i began to see a lot of the things you know when i in, in early recovery it was always about fighting triggers you know, so it was this whole white knuckle process of, oh, gosh, let me get through this trigger. And, and you're, you know, you're given these processes oh, if you can get through 30 minutes or you can do this. Mm. And then I started embracing the triggers. I started mm. really just becoming like one with this trigger and saying, OK, instead of trying to fight you off, because inevitably you're coming back because the more, you know, if, if divinely there is there is something trying to move through you which is what honestly trauma is kind of supposed to do is is move through us we we get it stuck in areas mm. when we start trying to make sense or we begin the suffering process and so when i began to embrace those triggers and ask <coughs> a different question and it seems like in your process that seeking has come with asking a different set of questions, whether it be one by one or, or a group of them at one time. And I did, I started asking different questions of, well, if this same trigger keeps coming up around this same thing, you know, is it trying to tell me something? Is it trying to give me a clue of, of something that's within me that I can look at through a new filter? And, you know, getting to the space in this healing journey where I can look back over my life, which for so long seemed to create so much suffering. When I look at it from this new place, I can be grateful. Like I can really truly be grateful for, for everything that, you know, I went through and, and, and I love what you were just talking about in that learning how to look at all the places that I thought I failed or didn't do well enough or should have done something different and embracing my path, you know, being able to see the resilience within me and, and thank myself. I've said this about my, you know, my my gender transition and I almost did it again with the gender transition thinking, OK, if if I get this. This will make me happy until I had an amazing friend, a beautiful human being in my life who's not transgender. Mm. Ask me a different question, almost challenge that identity. And it was the it was the moment that I will always remember and be eternally grateful for. It can almost choke me up when I'm thinking of it because it 
it led me to a deeper understanding of myself mm. and realizing that there is a, a bigger and divine purpose for what I'm moving through. But if I never go under the surface of this identity that is transgender, I'll, I'm still going to miss the mark of getting the opportunity to be okay within because it's not like clicking the box of being transgender is this warm and welcoming, welcoming place to be. And what was happening is I was being triggered externally by everything. I, I think that's the culture we find ourselves in. You know, if someone said the wrong thing, if someone didn't, you know, agree with your pronoun, if someone didn't do this, it was all like a personal attack. And that's how I knew that I was still on the surface. And mm -hmm. as I go in and started radically accepting myself for the divine truth of my being, and and being able to know that I'm made in a way that is specific and purposeful for me, then I started opening up to so many parts of myself that, you know, these external identities don't rule my experience. And, you know, that to me has been a lot of what you have been, you know, sharing about and all, and we share so much of things in common with the food and the surgeries and the being willing to try to make the package show a certain way because that's going to be what equals it yeah. but going back to being able to now turn around from this place of being and radical self-acceptance and and true self-love you know which is so much different than the world tries to to put it out as and you know i we're we're definitely yeah. going to do more episodes because i know we could yeah. really talk about that um but yeah but to really know that gives you this sense of peace and a sense of strength a sense of you know just this knowing that this has been you know a beautiful life a beautiful existence there's still so much left but if there were nothing left and this were it, you know, I would feel beautifully fulfilled. You know, I lack nothing. I lack no thing in my life. Not to say I don't have dreams or I don't have goals, but but they're not they don't define my happiness. You know, that I, I often tell people in new recovery, if you if if another person completes you. That means that if they decide to take that themselves away or, or whatever, then they can make you incomplete. So if, if another person or another thing makes you happy, it is in complete control of your happiness. It can give it and it can take it away. Mm. And, and, and moving through life with, with feeling like you're, you're so dependent upon circumstances and, and, and things and systems and people that's that's the scarier place to be for me for me it is yeah yeah i hear you and, and that may be like a you know i in my work you know i tend to work on helping people understand the function of the mind first and then we look at the body afterwards you know and it's kind of like because Brilliant. often there's there's 
what I call residue or contraction sensations, you know, left in the body for, for almost everyone, you know, just being born yeah. can be traumatic for some oh, people, yeah. just the embodiment and repression of emotion, you know, that happens in that early experience that somehow the mind based awakening, the realization that I'm not who I think I am, you know, yeah. like does not free us from the sensations and contractions of the body, you know, which can be triggering, like you said, you know, and, and, um, you know, coming to that place of, being human with a deeper understanding, you know, understanding of a deeper truth and still being human, you know, it's kind of like still having triggers, still having reactions and responses, you know, to that stuff and being willing to welcome it and invite it in and make friends with it. You know, it's yeah. kind of like is, is a, you know, is a whole nother story. And, and, you know, like that's an ongoing process, I think for many of us, you know, and, yeah. and um, you know, depending on, the severity of your experience, you know, and kind of like how you embodied and repressed those experiences that you had, you know, it's like, that's, that's what it is being human, you know, like rather than kind of completely unconsciously being triggered into it and being reactive and kind of then acting out in further ways of escapism, for example, yeah. you know, that's, that's the ongoing process after realization. That's why, that's why, because I think that, in my work, I find that if I start going down the trauma kind of look, um, thing first, with all or almost everyone I've come into contact with has fallen down the trauma psychological concept. Now I'm mm -hmm. talking about trauma, looking at trauma from a different place. You know, our, our grounding and understanding of ourselves and the human experience is sufficient to look at something not as a problem that's wrong with me, but as a as a as a um, protective response to my circumstances in childhood yeah. that actually kept me safe, right? So the grounding yes. is in place via the mind-based understanding. But if, if like many of us, you've gone straight into the trauma thing before you've realized or you had this awakening or realized yeah. deeper realization of the mind, you've fallen into the trauma rabbit hole. You put your hand up, gone, yeah, I've got that problem. That's me. That happened to me. I'm a victim. I'm a survivor. And you completely get lost and it actually makes you worse. You know, it's kind of like your experience of being in the psychological concept of trauma makes you worse because what you start doing is you start connecting imaginary dots to every single experience or every trigger you're having and going, mm -hmm. that's because of trauma. That's because of trauma. That's because of trauma. That's why yeah. I can't recover. That's why I can't get well. And you get completely lost in this yeah. place. And that's why my work, and this is just for me, it, this is not necessarily a fundamental truth, but it's just what I've seen to be useful is helping people see that the mind can take them further into psychological dis-ease. You know, it's like uh, by going into concepts before realizing the truth of who we are is a way of getting further lost. And that's why mm. I work that way, the body. Because not everyone has intense contractions and responses of the body to external stimulus. Again, that depends on, on your experience and your younger or, you know, the nature of what you experienced in your childhood. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I go, how I look at it and sort of, and, and particularly because that's been my own process as well, thinking yeah. that after I'd, after I'd realized that everything was blissful and wonderful and then realizing that sometimes, you know, I still had these yeah. reactions to life and stuff, you know, that I needed to then be with and learn how to be with, you know? Yeah, yeah, because it's not, you know, having, for me, having to, to learning that, 
it, there wasn't this space that you get into where all of a sudden you're not having, you're not experiencing life and you're not experiencing, you know, different triggering circumstances. It was about, you know, being, knowing to, you know, to acceptance in, in all of that. And that's where that self-love and that true radical self-acceptance comes in is like knowing that this is life and that how I can, you know, move with and move through these things. It wasn't this other concept of, Oh, you know, it's that external concept. Well, when I get all that money, I'm not going to have these problems anymore and no problems come up. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, we've all found out that's not true. You've, yeah. you've, you've ultimately gotten that thing that was supposed to fix everything and then it didn't. And now you're even more lost. And, and I want to ask you, because I, I am in complete resonance with what you're speaking about now and starting in that, that, that place of the mind so so give run me down an example of and i know that i know that not to share details or not to share details about clients but but where is the place that you all fundamentally start like what are some of your start questions you know to start bringing that mind process you know I mean, it, it is really dependent. There's, I always say there's no linear process, you know, right, because it's right. very in the moment. You know, I, I yeah. show up and drop everything out of my mind. I don't have an idea. I'm, I notice if I have an idea about somebody based on a conversation mm -hmm. um, and I drop that, you know, it's kind of like I want to show up completely fresh and completely yeah. clean in my own mind and just be present to listen. So I'm guided by them. You know, it's kind of like first and People, you know, like presence is the most impactful thing that you can have in a conversation with anyone, yeah. you know. Yes. And what I find is being present is people will completely guide you to what they need, mm -hmm. you know, every single time. It's kind of like they'll guide you to something and it's kind of just sometimes I don't even need to say anything. You know, sometimes I'm just kind of quiet and I let people keep speaking and they will actually come to a place in their own mind of questioning is something true, you know. And sometimes my questions at first might be, well, is that true? You know, is it true that you're, that you really are, they'll say something like, I feel not good enough in this relationship or something. I might just say, well, is it true? You know, it's kind of like, they go, yeah, where did that come from? Like, where did I get that idea? So then they open the door to invite you in, say, well, why don't we talk about that? You know, it's kind of like how, and, and straight away, you're, you're moving away from, uh, I, I, you know, I just call it moving the chairs around on the Titanic. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, you can get a better seat, but you're still going down if you're yeah. trying to fix the outside world. You know, it's kind yeah. of like, so we're moving away from the outside world and we're starting introspection. We're starting to question our own internal world and creation of our own internal world, you know. Mm -hmm. And by pointing people back to, um, you can point people back to moments of innate resilience or innate creativity, like how, how, have, how come you knew? Or let, let's say they're in a relationship that they're unhappy. I said, I said, I, I tell you what, I reckon pretty soon after you met this person, you would have known that it wasn't right for you. And they, and they go, and, but you still continued. And they'll always go, yeah, how did you know that? You know, it's <laughs> kind of like, because I did that. You know, that's exactly what mm -hmm. I did. I just didn't know that my own, my own instinct was guiding me all the time, you know, and they start to go, oh, yeah. And actually, you know, every other situation, I kind of knew it was, you know, and they see what they've been tuned out of their own. So I'm pointing them back to everything that's true about mm. them for them to start mm. to have a deeper realization of who they are, of how they're being guided 
at all times. So it's something that they can see within themselves, you know, not mm. necessarily me giving them a new technique or process. Right. It, I mean, it does take a willingness to look, you know, it's kind of like Amen. sometimes people have become um, habitually, they just want to blame and point the finger at somebody else, you know, because mm -hmm. it's easier, right? It's easier than oh, looking yeah. inwardly. And uh, there are other times when we can really trace back uh uh, I wanted something from somebody, you know, it's kind of, they didn't give it to me. Now I feel upset. Here's how I'm feeling. And we can easily trace that back to a trauma response. You know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like you're, you know, looking back at uh, what is it you really wanted, you know, and where is it that you wanted that before? So they can see how what looks like their external world letting them down is really an attempt at getting something that they never got from the inside, mm. you know? So it's, there's, there's all sorts of variations of that that go on, you know, in that process. But everything is uh, underpinned by presence and and being guided myself, you know, in my work, you know, being guided myself into what yeah. feels intuitively right. And sometimes I ask questions that are completely bizarre, but they just come to me as a way, ask this or question that. Or look, that seemed, you know, like something that st stands out to me or has a bell or a flashing light on the top of it. Uh, I'll go down that route with people. So... I'm always guided by that instinctive intelligence that's inside of me. And that's why I don't want any story or, or don't want any to have any linear process. And I don't want to create yeah. too much of a linear. My, I, I have created a program, but it, it, there's very much an allowance in it for people's experience, you know, in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love hearing that because, you know, for so long, there has been this, you know, because of how we're taught to to market and because of, you know, so much of the aggressive marketing that's out there. And when we have a dream like this to really be of service to other human beings, because we know that it's possible and and not have a process, you know, for so long that that weighed on me. Like, like, how do you how does this how, how does this work without a process? But then at the same time there's no there's there's really no process so to speak that's you know going to be you know right there for every person and, and so i love honestly i love i love connecting with people like yourself um you know like i was talking about earlier my good friend martin john garcia who has a recover yourself podcast and he does his you know his webinars and such and, and he's got a very beautiful way that he works with people to bring them to that internal, you know, understanding. And, and I just love connecting with, with you all because I, the processes sometimes have been part of the problem and, and not the, the solutions. And I think that, that bringing into, cause the, cause humanity is hungry for understanding. Mm. They're 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 they've almost run out of the processes and and there's only so many law of attraction techniques you can learn to manifest a bunch of things. And then just to realize with every one of the things that come, it didn't do what it promised it was going to do. And uh oh, I'm still here and we're getting to a space of people wanting something real people needing they know inherently they're being called to something deeper, something larger. And, and it's amazing that there are people in the world that are, you know, prepared to be there and, and help that guidance. Because I, I look at, I look at um, 
people like yourself and Martin and sometimes myself as as people that just help guide you through or, or help you recognize the voice within to help you guide and meet up with that voice and that higher person that's within you. Cause that's what you're talking about being guided when you're working with people. I do the same when I, you know, make a connection or make a video or put out content. It's, it's, it's what it's guided in the moment, you know, how's this conversation guide? What, you know, I, I stopped trying to think beforehand how I'm going to structure this to get the best information and just let it be left up to that higher, you know, the higher self, my higher self, that higher place within me that knows what it is that, you know, the energies in the world need to hear or what's needed for someone. And that's what excites me. That mm -hmm. excites me so much more than having a three-step process to be able to sell for $47 <laughs> and have $97 add-ons. I'll teach you one more process and one more and, you know, because are, you're perpetuating the, the suffering, you know, yeah. when, when that happens. So I applaud you and respect you um, about your work. Are, are you in a virtual space? Is it one on one like yeah. in person? I mean, how can how can people connect with you that are interested in, in working more with you? Yeah, um, my coaching website is wideworldcoaching.com. And my uh, recovery, uh, my addiction treatment is uh, infiniterecoveryproject.com and um, podcast misunderstandingsofthemind.com, which is more what I call transformative conversations, you know, in the same way that we've talked about today, that we listen gently and we hear something that creates transformation. You know, it's kind of yeah. like we have an insight by in the way that we're just present and listen to stuff. And uh, there's a lot of conversations on there about, particular areas that anyone in recovery or looking for recovery would probably struggle with, you know, mental health, addiction, relationships, uh, anxiety, depression, um, connection, love, all sorts of stuff, you know, all, all the common stuff, inner peace. Um, there's so many different cool conversations there, you know, like that are really very gentle. They're not harsh and they're not, um, they're, they're really just pointing to a deeper truth. You know, that's what, that's what they're about. Um, so yeah, any of those ways, anyone can get hold of me and yeah, my work online virtually. And, um, you know, sometimes in person with people, depending on where they are and what makes sense to them, you know? And that was, was that infinite recovery project.com or .org? Yes. Yeah. Dot com. Yeah. 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 Cause I want to, I, I, the, the, the audience that shows up for, you know, the, the, you know, my regular podcast, which is recovery soul food podcast. And I just really started doing this. I, I, the season of recovery soul food ended. I thought I was going to take a little break. I took about a week break and then I just felt like, you know, to continue to do something on Saturday nights. And then that's when I started doing the deeper truth, you know, the, the deeper truth healing hour, because I, I can't get enough. Like I can't get enough of, of connecting on these levels and hearing about spectacular work and healing resources that are out there for people and this the audience that shows up here time and time again are people that are are in that space of of that deeper inner truth and healing and mm. not everybody's there yet they're not they're not ready <coughs> sometimes it's easier in in the in the mind when you're when you're in the process of the mind i guess it's it's so much easier to try to find those one two three processes those 12 step 
processes. And, you know, what I love about recovery in this time is that it is becoming broader knowledge that there's not one way really to recover. You know, if you're going to, if 12 steps help you, that's amazing. Do 12 steps. And so it's an, and program, not a, this or that it's a, this Mm -hmm. and this and this and this. And, And I just believe that, that we have a special gift in our lives, which has brought us to a place that, that, you know, right now the stigma in the world looks down upon but we are blessed individuals because when you're talking about substance addiction or you're talking about trauma and suffering, you get so low that like you said, you're in a, you're in a desperation, almost you're, you're in a constant place of seeking, you know, Mm. and and to find that bigger truth and people, they know they, they want a deeper truth, but they just don't, they haven't gone all the way to the bottom to, to know that, you know, that, that, that this type of healing is possible for them too. And so I, I think that we're, we're blessed and all honesty, I'm, I'm grateful for my addiction because I'm grateful for my trauma because it's given me this amazing gift to be able to live so much deeper and truer to my divine authenticity. And it allows me to then share in the world, especially in, you know, the LGBTQ plus community that, you know, creating an an identity is not even it's that's it's still not the identity that you're looking for your true identity is a divine sovereign being you are a breath of of god regardless of what name you give that you are a divine breath of creation you know in human form and there's nothing fucking wrong with you and you know that's 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 the climate in the world where we're always fighting and picking sides and highly offensible is because we're all depending upon these outward egoic identities to fulfill us. And they don't, they just don't. And and there's a deeper truth, man. Uh, this has been amazing. And I can't wait to really get into some topic, you know, videos with you. And, and I know that it's that, you know, the audience is going to be excited about it too. And, Man, I, I'm just grateful. I, I'm I'm gonna reach out to to your your friend that that connected us and just say thank you because you know I appreciate him following his inner knowing to know that mm-hmm. that that our our paths would gel like this. I, I really am excited to to know you and and to continue to get to know you and and grow a friendship. This is amazing. Is there any last thing that you would share? with our audience that, that, you know, would maybe, I don't know, you've shared so much already, but, but is there anything, if, if someone's on the brink of, of, of their suffering at the brink of their, the point of their suffering, is there anything you'd leave them with, you know, that, that, I don't know, what, what comes to your heart if you had something to say? Yeah. It's always like that. If there's something you've heard, instinctively that kind of stood out to you in the conversation you know if there's a if there's a an instinctive um drive inside of you to kind of know more follow that you know and if there's an instinct an instinctive drive in you to say this was shit kind of like just forget about it and carry on with your day you know it's kind of like you know just follow that it's always guiding you and 
I always say, you know, I, I, I want to teach in a way that I'm using that instinct too. You know, it's kind of like in guiding people to that other, um, to their own inner knowing. So just follow that, you know, that is going to be your guidance system for life. And it's going to be the, the most important thing that you can um, learn how to know, you know? Mm, absolutely. Amazing. Well, again, man, thank you so much for, for coming here today and, and being so understanding and rescheduling with me. I'm so grateful we made this happen. I look forward to all the things that we're going to put together and release in the future. I want to have you back real, real, real soon. And, and I really appreciate you. And I know that you're working on a book and I can't wait until that yeah. comes out as well. You know, yeah. let us, let us be the, the premiere that helps bring that book out into the world. I know it's going to be a masterpiece. I appreciate it. And um, for everybody who watches this now or watches this on some type of replay, man, I'm so grateful for you. And, and thanks for spending your time here. The Deeper Truth Healing Hour is on every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Lona Curry at Facebook, Recovery Soul Food on YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. And also don't forget that I am now hosting, I've been asked to host with these amazing human beings, the Recovery Revolution Live team, and that's every Thursday night on Facebook and YouTube at 7 p.m. Uh, Central, 8 p.m. Standard. Come and join us for that just amazing energy of people. But until next time, you know that I love you and you know that wherever you are in your life, that you can get up from your give up and you can create a life you love. Until next time, I'm Reverend LC. This is Jason Shears and we will see you soon. Bye.